With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got back on the right track on Sunday with a 3-0 victory over the Vegas Golden Knights. If you want a deeper dive into how they got that victory over the defending champs, you can go back into our feed and check out our iceberg recap of that game and most games uh, that we do. I did miss one a little bit about, I think, a week ago, but most games we'll have a recap for on the feed, but you can go back and check that out to see how the Penguins took down the Vegas Golden Knights. But today, we're going to talk a little bit about a player that didn't factor in on the scoring in that one, but has factored in on the scoring in every other game except two this season in Sidney Crosby, the third star of the week in the NHL. We'll start our conversation with that, but then we'll go into some goaltending controversy as Pittsburgh loves to have with Alex Nedeljkovic returning and stirring the pot a little bit with his Browns Miles Garrett jersey after the game. And then we'll talk about the injury report because Horwat, we talk about it off air. We talk about it in text messages and it's perplexing to us, so I'm assuming it's perplexing to most of you out there as well. We'll talk about it in our third segment, but let's start it all off with the captain. Sensational start for Sidney Crosby, but held off the score sheet for just the second time all season against the Vegas Golden Knights. He scored 22 points in 17 games this season, 12 of those being goals, 10 assists. The most he has scored since the 2014-15 season, where he had 26 points in the first 17 games of the season. He is currently on pace for 106 points and 45 goals this year. Horwat, when you look at Crosby, this is nothing new for him. I mean, the guy continues to score early in the season at a commensurate pace. So what does he need to do to keep closer to that pace this season? Because last year he was on a similar pace, 105, 106 points through the first 17, and he finished with 93. He had highs and lows because it's an 82-game season. He was 35 last year. He's 36 this year. What can he do to keep that pace up above the century mark this season? Uh, he's This time around, it feels like he's got better help, at least in terms of uh, some depth scoring, and that's just finding and that's just finding ways to win games more or less than it is consider, uh, considering his own pace. When it comes to his own pace, um, you know, what he needs to do is just kind of stick to it sounds too easy. You know, it sounds too much of like a flat answer. He just needs to stick to it. No kidding. That's why this is the pace and probably not his actual number. Um, 
I mean, it doesn't seem like much needs to change, right? He's playing very well with Jake Gensel as usual. Brian Russ is having a resurgence season, and maybe that's also a huge part of it. He's finding Russ a little more. Russ is finding him a little more. Jake Gensel's having a playmaking season, by the way. Um, yeah. Jake Gensel's assist numbers are rocky, so it's uh, are rocking. So it's kind of helping Sidney <laughs> Crosby with 12 goals along the way. I would say if anything needs to change, uh, it might genuinely have to be that power play production because that is, imagine what Sidney Crosby's numbers could look like if the power play was able to click and put things together, or if even if he was just able to find a couple of extra assists on the power play, he doesn't have to score on it, but just a couple of extra helpers there. Um, his assist numbers pick up a few that just pushes his pace in the right direction. Uh, I'd be starting there. I'd say if anything for him to keep this pace, that power play needs to wake up um, because it is a long 82 game season. There, he is 36 years old. There is going to be, more ups and downs we're going to see more of those games where they're going to be rare probably but more of those games where he doesn't score or doesn't record a point so you got to find the ways to help him out when it's needed and when it's helpful uh, for the team and that's the power play and that should keep his numbers um, on this good pace if, at 36 years old if you can crack 100 points I mean that's <laughs> oh, I forget the numbers he'd only be the third player to ever do it I think behind Joe Sackick and Gordie Howe, who did it at 40. Yeah, Gordie Howe is a freak of nature. He's just, he was a freak of nature for sure. But no, with Crosby, you mentioned a good point there. He's going into Monday, at least, before games were played on Monday afternoon, Crosby was leading the league in five-on-five -five production. And that's what everybody's saying. is like, what happens if this power play starts to kick off? Does Crosby end up being a 110, 115, 120-point scorer? But the problem is it hasn't kicked off, and it doesn't look like there's anything that's going to change that anytime soon. Obviously, Penguins fans are hoping that it does, but that's one way to make sure he goes over the century mark is to actually get some production on the man advantage. But when I'm looking at what happens at five-on-five -five and his performance so far this season, like you mentioned, Jake Gensel is doing more of a playmaking type role this season. Sidney Crosby scoring more goals. He's a finisher more mm -hmm. this season than he has been in years past. He's looking to get his own shot. He's looking to finish more than he has in the past, and he's finished at a higher rate than he has in the past. When you're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the issues is their finishing capabilities. It doesn't you know, hold true for the captain. Right now, he has a 19% shooting percentage, which is his second highest of his career if that persists. The only other time that he had a higher shooting percentage than 19% was 19.9 in the 2011-2012 season where he had 32 goals in 41 games played. So... You look at Sidney Crosby, this is nothing new that he's been able to score a lot of points early in the season. The question becomes, can he continue to one shoot at 19%, which I, I doubt he's going to. It's probably going to regress to the mean a little bit there. But can Jake Gensel step up when that happens? Can Brian Russ continue to play the way that he has? Can Ricard Raquel maybe come up onto that line and show what he did last season when he was a 28 goal scorer instead of this season when he is average and on pace for zero? Because, you know, Ricard Raquel has struggled with Evgeny Malkin, and I think eventually the dam is going to break, and you're going to see Ricard Raquel at some point get some ice time with Sidney Crosby, but when he does, is he able to capitalize? We talked about Gensel being a playmaker. Crosby you know, has always been a playmaker and will always be a playmaker. He doesn't have to forfeit one side of the game to benefit the other. He can always play that complete game and has been able to for the past 19 seasons. But the question then becomes, does Ricard Raquel's move there eventual? And I'm saying, like, this is a prediction. I'm saying eventually the dam is going to break. Mike Sullivan's going to say enough is enough, and he's going to switch those two lines because right now, 
as I mentioned on the game recap from Vegas, Raquel is starting to hurt Malkin and Riley Smith and the production of that line. And at that point, you're going to have to make that move. Beforehand, it was Malkin and Smith were still able to produce with Ricard Raquel not doing anything. But once it starts to affect the rest of that line, especially as important as the top six is for the Pittsburgh Penguins, there's going to be a move that needs to be made. It might not happen on Wednesday, but it's going to happen eventually because they tried him on the third line for one game and you saw how Mike Sullivan you know, liked that, switching it back immediately less than 24 hours later. So whoever's on the line with Crosby, they're going to need to keep producing for him to get to that 100-point mark because I don't think the 19% shooting percentage is going to persist for Captain Crosby. Yeah, that 19% thing, assuming it's not going to you know, maintain, it's just it's an assumption, but it's the likely assumption. Yeah. It is the, we're taking an educated guess here. I mean, we we already saw Mike Sullivan try and give uh, Ricard Raquel that shuffle. You know, as, mm-hmm. as good as uh, Redeem Zahorna has been, he's just he's just not a top six player straight up. You know, as good as he's been this season, he's going to be your bottom six winger who can definitely bang and crash the net at least a little bit with his size and should be doing that. But we'll find the right areas to be in. Think about the two goals on goalies against uh, Vegas. Um, is that those both of them, Graves and Achari, were just kind of in the right place at the right time. They were, yeah. In Graves' case, it was a very smart, slowly pinched down, had that puck bounced a different direction, by the way. Boy, would he had not heard the end of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, he got lucky, it bounced right to him, and it was right place at the right time. And as for Achari, I think uh, he's, he was just trying to get back in position and be in his spot, and that puck just bounced right to him. Um, so maybe, you know, the Raquel needs something like that to wake him up, just being in the right place at the right time. Um, but at the same time, I mean, bumping him to the to the bottom six, I don't know how much it helped. I mean, we saw it one time. Maybe there's something more to it, but we yeah. just don't have – the Penguins just don't have that ace they can fly up there instead of Zahorna. Um, but jumping Raquel to the first line, the, the again, we went into the season saying he should be starting there. The only yeah. thing holding it back from really happening now is everything I just said about the first line earlier. Gensel's having a playmaking season. He's helping sit out with scoring. And the big important piece of it is Brian Rust having the resurgent year. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, do you look at it and go, can we break this up? Can't Like, genuinely, can you? They're the only line in the league right now to play over 200 minutes together of a trio. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is below that. So it's immediately you have to start wondering, like, how much longer can we just middle around with the second line the way it is? What can be changed there? What adjustments can be made? Because they need someone who can finish. They need someone who can play a ton of offense on that second line. No one in the depth can really do that. Yeah, and it would be different a lot if the Penguins had better results when it comes to wins and losses in their first month and a half of the season. Right. If they yeah. were instead of what are they? They're nine and eight, nine and eight. Yep. You know, instead of nine and eight, if they were, you know, 13 and four at this point, then you could make some changes. You can say, all right, you know what? We're in a better spot right now. We can try to shuffle things around to get this guy going. But right now you're nine and eight and you need to start winning these games, especially big games coming up. Like the one against the New York Rangers, you need to have a really good performance against them considering how you performed last week against the Devils and how you performed over the weekend against the Carolina Hurricanes. You need to play better. And here's the thing. Do you want to break up one of the best lines in hockey right now to try to get Raquel 
going because yes, there is a history there. Yes, I do think that that would get him going, but at the same time, if it doesn't, you're kind of screwing yourself twice because then you have Brian Rust on the second line, which might start the second line a little bit better, but you're breaking up the best line in all of hockey to try to figure out one player's issues. Now, I think the one problem is you mentioned that, you know, maybe Raquel needs to get something like Achari got or Graves got in the last game. Second line doesn't play that game. Yeah, the second it. line doesn't play the muck it up, let's score the ugly goal type of game. Malkin doesn't get down in front of the net and try to create eight, six, and seven, and eight rebound chances. They try to pass the puck into the net, and for the most part, it works to some extent. Like, they're good enough. The talent alone is there for them to be able to do it. They don't score the ways the third and fourth line are going to score, so the only way to get Raquel that type of goal is to move them onto the third line for an extended period of time more than just one game. Yeah, but again, like I said, they just don't have the... If you're Also, if you are going to try it, try it. Stick to it. Give it a couple of games. Um... But again, the Penguins don't just don't have that offensive mindset that they can slide in next to Malkin and uh, Riley Smith. Zahorna would be the best option, at least on the NHL roster, but um, that just doesn't seem sustainable. And again, I know we only saw it for one game, um, but maybe it's worth a second look. Maybe it's worth a second try. Maybe you, maybe you push that until after thanksgiving though because the range is a bit of a tough competition tough sell you kind of want to have you kind of just want to roll into that into that game with with as few question marks as possible and you at least know what you have with with your setup now um i mean it's maybe vinny hennestrosa slips in there i don't know it's just hard to really pin down a name that could actually slide into slide in next to Malkin and Smith that isn't Ricardo mm-hmm. Kell. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's a situation that is going to need to be monitored, but, you know, back to the 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 original point of this was Crosby. Oh, you know, yeah. We can talk about Raquel, I mean, until the cows come home because, you know, you go 17 games without a goal after being a 28 goal scorer. There, there's a lot of questions there, and there's not a lot of answers for the Pittsburgh Penguins in terms of what they can do. Move them down to the third line, move them up to the first line. The question then becomes, you know, you move them to the first line, you have a suitable replacement on the second line, you move them to the third line. It, it's, it's asking a lot of Redeem Zahorna. That, that's all. But, you know, with Crosby, you know, to close out that conversation, this is nothing new, as we mentioned. Over a point per game through 17 games in all but four seasons, Horwat. The guy is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I understand that this past week, he got honors as the, the third star of the week, the second time a Penguin has gotten a three, uh, one of the three stars of the week from the NHL because of his performance against the Columbus Blue Jackets, which he does on a routine basis. But, you know, nothing new from the captain going over a point per game in the first 17 games of the season. No, nothing at all. And every time he doesn't, you said it's only been four times, that's when yeah. uh, the Canadian media and some of the national media here wakes up and just gives him the old, is Crosby done? Is this is this the end of Sidney Crosby? Yeah, so we can at least pacify those people this year because Crosby is uh, lighting it up to yeah. start the season. And but. definitely not done at the age of 36. A lot no. of questions are going to start getting risen about how much longer he genuinely has. And every time we have that conversation, I feel like another year gets added. Right? I mean, we've been having the conversation of how much longer does Crosby have since he was about 34. We're two years past that, and we're still like, maybe five years he keeps this up, yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this has been an awesome start. I, you know, he had this pace last year to a degree, um, and just the team couldn't help him out. Uh, this time around, it looks like things will 
work out in a much better favor. I know that dreaded Thanksgiving, that dreaded American Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. certain playoff spots. Uh, we'll see. Um, the Penguins were also one of those teams out of Elliot Friedman's pace by November 1st of four points out, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, caught a hot streak. Sidney Crosby's able to carry this team. He's ha- He had a heck of a week, even with uh, no points against Vegas. Hattrick in Columbus, big points against, you know, in losing efforts, but big important points against uh, divisional opponents. And at least in the yeah. Carolina game, kept them in it, kept them close. Uh, this is impressive stuff. Yeah, and the the Penguins are just perplexing in total because you mentioned they're out of a playoff spot as of right now, and Wednesday's their last chance to, to get a couple points before American Thanksgiving, which is a tentpole date in the NHL calendar. But you look at a team that has won impressively against some pretty good teams. I mean, the 4 to nothing win over Colorado earlier in the season. The 3 to nothing win over the Vegas Golden Knights on Sunday. I mean, this is a team that has put together some really impressive performances. The road victory against the Kings, the 2 to nothing shutout victory over the, uh, the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, these are good games against teams that have performed well this season, and we've seen them put them together in stretches now because they have a five-game win streak or had a five-game win streak, and they've won now, what, six of their last eight games. So you just hope that they can continue to put some more distance between them and that rocky start. That way you can start you know, seeing them as the team that won three to nothing over the Vegas Golden Knights and less of the team that looked like, you know, they didn't belong on the same ice as a New Jersey Devils team without three of their top players. But, you know, that's the Pittsburgh Penguins for you. It happens almost every single season and uh, we'll see how they go from here. But as of right now, it's been a perplexing start for Kyle Dubas's club. Speaking of Kyle Dubas, he had a vision for his goaltenders this offseason, and, and he hasn't really been able to see it come to pass because of the injury to one of them. Well, that injured goaltender came back on Sunday with a vengeance with a 38-save shutout. We'll talk about the goaltending situation in the Penguins right after this break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, you're always the, the champion of there's always a goalie controversy in Pittsburgh. The yearly, the annual goaltending controversy in Pittsburgh. I think we're starting to see the roots of it start to grow, uh, thanks to Mark Madden on Sunday for asking the first question. After Alex Nedeljkovic shuts out the defending champions, Mark Madden asks Mike Sullivan, well... Is Alex Nedeljkovic going to start, or is it too early to determine that? And I think everybody in the room and everybody watching knew, yeah, that's probably a bit too early, considering Sullivan's probably still thinking about, oh, man, if only Gino passed it to Crosby for that empty net goal. But, you know, 
three days in ahead, and we're already asking that question. Now, we're not going to get to that question just yet, Horwath. I know you love it. I know you love the <laughs> goaltending controversy in Pittsburgh. But you look at Alex Nedeljkovic's return. Let's focus on that for a minute. He returns from LTIR on Sunday, shuts out the Vegas Golden Knights, like I mentioned before the break, 38 saves on 38 shots. And it didn't look like he missed a beat from what was a solid start to the season before his injury. He really, so far, has only played nine uh, nine innings, nine periods as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins and only had one bad period. He played really well against the Calgary Flames in the third game of the season, the second half of a back-to-back. He played really well against the Dallas Stars in the first two periods, and we all know what happened in the third when he, he tried to bonsai uh, on a Dallas Stars player, and he ended up injuring himself and putting himself out of action for weeks. But one bad period in three games is pretty good for Alex Delkovich. What did you see from him on Sunday in his return? Just, just normal Alex Delkovich, exactly back to where he wants to be. Um, he's in a very interesting situation that I'm sure we'll dive into in a little bit. Uh, but in that game specifically, he looked good. The defense also looked really good in front of him, uh, mm-hmm. despite, you know, allowing almost 40 shots but that'll happen and that'll that that will just happen against Vegas you know I texted you before the game <laughs> yeah. that something really gross about that team is they had zero lineup changes through five games of the Stanley Cup finals and we saw the exact same lineup the only change was Riley Smith obviously on the Penguins now uh for Paul Cotter who isn't even a new face there he played 50 plus games with them last season so it was the same exact team uh, so you're going to face a ton of rubber when you're in net against a team like that. You're, that's just what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Nedeljkovic st- stood really tall, made some good saves. Didn't seem like there were too many um, too many of those 10-bell, you have to sprawl four saves. Mm-hmm. It was all very honed in. It was very um, shots were coming into his chest, shots were coming into the spots he could see. That's a credit to the defense. So... Um, Defense played well in front of him. He made all of the saves. I was going to say all the right saves. He's made all of them, so even the wrong ones he made. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he stood very tall in his own right, and you can't be mad at a 38-save shutout to oh, re- heck no. return. And your return after a month off. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and you mentioned, like, you know, you have to credit the defense when it comes to the lack of 10 bell saves that he needed to make. I I credit him as well. Uh, Not only was it because he was in, perfect positioning for all of those saves. I mean, that's a big thing that we've seen with Tristan Jari this season, that when he's not on his game, he's out of position and he creates openings in the net that, you know, you saw it on, on Saturday night when, you know, Andrei Svechnikov scored the not goal. Jari was out of position and that left a lot of space for a goal scorer and Svechnikov is not going to miss. So good positioning by Nedeljkovic is one thing that I saw. The other thing that I saw that really limited the opportunities for the Vegas Golden Knights, despite their, you know, quantity of shots on goal, their high-grade opportunities were limited because Alex Nedeljkovic did a great job at swallowing pucks. Not just, hey, you know, make the save, be in the position to make the save, but ice the puck, soft the puck, cover the puck, make sure that there's not a second and third opportunity for a team in Vegas that loves to play down near the net. So I thought it was a really good job by Alex Nedeljkovic to control the game. You know, you see that with Tristan Jari that sometimes when he's at his best, he's controlling the game. The puck is frozen at the proper time. The puck is played at the proper time by by Tristan Jari. Alex Nedeljkovic did a really good job of that on Sunday, and I think that's something that for both of these goaltenders and really any goaltender in the NHL, if they have a control of the game, they're going to really be you know, impactful in a positive way for your team. And I think Nadelkovich did just that on Sunday. He did. And that's exactly what you need from a goalie. You know, we talk about Tristan Jari being out of the net at, on occasion. Brutal stuff. Um, but he's sometimes able to recover, make those make those huge saves. 
Whereas Nedeljkovic, like I said, he looked very honed in. It looked like he hadn't missed a beat. It was just on his rhythm, and that's exactly what you need from a goalie. And, you know, when it comes down to it, he's fighting for a starting job in the league. But genuinely, I every time I see him practice or play or whatever it may be, I really, in the back of my head, part of me goes, he might genuinely not, might not be here next year. Because yeah. he is trying because of what he was it's not because you know he's a career backup. i mean he has been the last few years but he started his career really well obviously it was an all rookie you know could have been up for i think he was up for the calders rookie of the year he's got the pedigree to really be a starter in the league and he's looking to bring that back because who plays in the because who plays in the nhl at his age no less and is okay and is not necessarily okay but um has the goal or the mindset of being a backup. He wants to be a starter in this league, guaranteed. Yeah. Um, he's going to, I would assume he's trying to use this year, maybe next year, as a platform, as a jumping off point to again become a starter in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to make things really huge for the Penguins. If he can, you know, you know, bottle that, bottle that flame a little bit and, you know, turn it into something. And if Tristan Jari can have his season, the Penguins could have a really, really good duo of goalies here. But then, you know, what happens with a really good duo of goalies? Boy, oh boy, who are we starting more often? Mark Madden with that yeah. first question, where, yes, it was a little early to ask that question, but I, I, I popped my eyebrows for a minute and said, I'm curious to see if there is a real answer to this. Obviously, there wasn't. Yeah, but... <laughs> there wasn't. Mike Sullivan, I think, was taken aback by that yeah, question. Yeah, he took a minute. He's like, man, that is... He said, well, that is three days away, sir, so I have no idea. Like, there's a reason that Mike Sullivan tells you who the starting goaltender is going to be usually, like, four hours before the game. Because, you know, most of the time, he probably knows, but he certainly doesn't know three days in advance just off the back of a game where he just stopped thinking about it. But, no, Tristan Jari, in his own right, as we we shift over to talk a little bit about how this is going to work going forward and what Dubas's vision was going to be with these two goaltenders at the outset and what it could be now that that Nadelkovich is healthy is Tristan Jari to me is not somebody who needs a workhorse load to be at his best in the NHL. We've seen him be an all-star when he was sharing the net with Matt Murray back in one of those first seasons that he was up at the NHL level. Now, again, one of the narratives is that he needs to have that one B to be a top goaltender in the league, which is a a falsity because a couple seasons ago, he was one of the top 10 goaltenders in the national hockey league when he had 58 games played. And that is, mind you, in a season where he missed the last 12 games of the season because of a foot injury. So he was going to play well over 60 games in that season for the Penguins, and he was an all-star. He had a 9, I believe, 19 save percentage in that season. I think to date that's his best season um, going into this year was that year where he started 58 games. So he doesn't need that workhorse mentality to be at his best, but it's certainly, you know, better for the Penguins in my eyes that he doesn't have that type of workload considering his injury history. Now, again, I think that it is blown out of proportion a little bit, but he does have a history of injuries. He has Mm -hmm. been injured several times at the National Hockey League level, so why not? And I think it's pretty obvious at this point, like anybody that's listening to this doesn't already know this, but it's better for a goaltender that has been injured almost every season for the past five seasons to not have to play 60 games, right? So you look at what it looked like with Nedeljkovic out over the past couple of weeks. There were 11 games between Nedeljkovic's starts. In those 11 games, Jari got the start in 10 of them. Now he was pulled in two, but he got the start, or not pulled in two, he was pulled in one and injured in another. 
but he got the start in 10 of those 11 games. That is obviously not going to be the split with Alex Nedeljkovic. So if you're looking at an 11-game sample size, take out you know, back-to-backs or scheduling mishaps or there's a long break here, so you need to make sure that you're getting Jari. Take those out. In 11-game sample size, how would you like to see the split between Jari and Nedeljkovic moving forward? They're pretty close to down the middle, I think. Uh, a 6-5 and five almost. Maybe I'll split it to a 7-4. and four. That's where I'm at. I'm at a 7-4. and four. I, I think Nedeljkovic needs a little bit more than a standard backup, a little bit less than a, a true 1B. Yeah, it, he's... Nedeljkovic has proven to be deserving of his opportunity, and for the sake of his career, deserving of the opportunity. I think that's going to play a role, especially if the Penguins can get into a good spot, you know, in standings and in the... Um, you know, league rankings type. It, if they can get into good standings with the standings points and in the rankings, they can absolutely afford to give Nadelkovich a few extra starts just by sake of this, just for the sake of his career moving forward to prove uh, to other teams in the league that he can still be a starter in the NHL. I mean, yeah, it's difficult when it comes down to do you want him to succeed on your team, and if he does, mm-hmm. really good then you want to keep them. It's just, it's hard with goalies because you only have two of them on your team at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of Dubas's vision here, if we're really discussing it, is they have their one-two. Jari, Nadelkovic. Yep. Jari trying to research his career. Nadelkovic trying to research his career. And there's the number three. Both, uh, both Sullivan and Dubas spoke going into the season about having a successful trio of goalies. And for what it's worth, we saw a bit of that with Agnes Helberg stepping in on a couple of occasions and looking really good. Got a win against L.A., overtime win in L.A., um, closing out the combined shutout against Anaheim, um, and not having a great, not a phenomenal, I guess I should say he was fine, I guess, in uh, in relief of Jari a little bit ago. Um, mm-hmm. He's looked good. The, the Penguins have that solid trio. <clears throat> I know last few years have been with third string goalies wild, going from Maxim Legacy going one for one with a shutout to Louis Domingue doing a couple of games of service in the playoffs to last year Dustin Tokarski just being Dustin Tokarski. This time around, it seems like they have a genuine third string goalie that if more injuries pop up for either of their first two, they have someone they can fall back to. Yeah, I really liked what I saw from Magnus Helberg, to be completely honest. And, and I know there was a very small sample size. He came in in relief in two games, then he got one start. But it was a start against a really good LA Kings team, like you mentioned. And he played really well. You know, he kept them in that in, at certain points. And I think it's the the kind of the inverse of Alex Nedeljkovic, who's a small goalie who really needs his positioning to be solid. Magnus Helberg is a, is a giant who, hey, even if his positioning's a little bit off, he's probably going to take up more net than the other two. But no, I understand what you're saying. I mean, the importance of having three goaltenders in this league can't be understated. We've seen it time and time again. We saw it in the playoffs. I think it was not last season, but the season before his playoffs when the Penguins had Domingue in net. Is like three other teams had their third string goaltender in net, not to mention the Vegas Golden Knights basically used five all of last season en route to a Stanley Cup. So it's important to have more than two. And I like what I saw from Magnus Helberg. I think he's pretty steady as a third, you know, third option between or behind, excuse me, Nedeljkovic and Tristan Jari. But, you know, at the end of the day, he is the third, and I think it does come down to the, the top two. And, you know, Mike Sullivan might not have been prepared to answer it on Sunday, but it's Tuesday now. The game is tomorrow evening. So, Horowat, let's answer the question for him. 
Who do you start tomorrow against the New York Rangers? Do you put Tristan Jari in net, or do you start Alex Nedeljkovic and Ride? Uh, I guess the hot hand, it was one game. Can you call it a hot streak off of one game? But he had a really good game. Obviously, he scored a, a goal, and it hit his minor league, you know, conditioning stint so I guess you can call it a two-game hot hand because it's considering he won that one uh, for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins but do you ride the hot hand in Ned or do you go back to Tristan Jari who did have a good performance against the Carolina Hurricanes in a losing effort he didn't it's not like Tristan Jari's had a bad season so far it's just he's come up in the, the short end of the stick on quite a few things <clears throat> and as for Nadelkovic, I mean you're right it's he had that great game in his first game back you could consider the AHL stint um steps in the right direction uh when it comes to the goal i know mike sullivan was asked asked about this beforehand uh if you know how he feels about goalie scoring and he said as long as we're in the position to do that sure it's you know part of the game the guys want to have fun they ended up being in the position to do that um yeah. and then if you asked adelkovich afterwards he said i don't know what Latang was doing so <laughs> um you know, I I would say because you have a back-to-back coming up immediately after Thanksgiving, I'd roll with Nadelkovich again on Wednesday. It's not necessarily the hot hand, but it's um, getting him back into the rhythm. This isn't a riding a hot hand situation. It's just getting him back into the rhythm, knowing that you're about to have a back-to-back with travel immediately after the holiday break. Just one day holiday break. Um, yeah. Give Nadelkovich the Rangers... Um, and then maybe you go Jari Nadelkovic again, or Nadelkovic Jari, depending on how who you want going up against who. Uh, not that this really matters, but let's say you go Nadelkovic against the Rangers. Uh, I almost said Murray. Jari in Buffalo, and then Nadelkovic back at home. That's three straight home games for Alex Nadelkovic. That's really getting the crowd behind him, considering his mm. Clevelandness. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's some. Yeah. There's some bonuses to to continuously starting Nadelkovich, especially with this uh, schedule we have coming up. I think I, I'm I'm fine with either with either way because there's a back to back coming up. You're gonna have the ability to play both of them in very short order here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just say I would give Nadelkovich the edge for now, just to continue getting him up to speed. Yeah, when you look at Jari's career against the Rangers, it's not sterling. Uh, eight and seven in the regular season against the Rags, eight ninety nine save percentage and forty three goals allowed, which is tied for the most goals allowed that he has given to any particular team with the the New Jersey Devils. So, you know, maybe the signs do point to Alex Nedeljkovic being the better of the two options in that one. But I would still probably give Tristan Jari the start personally. I understand trying to get Alex Nedeljkovic back on track, but at the same time. You know, you've hitched your wagon to Tristan Jari, and at the end of the day, you need him to perform well against these particular teams, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Devils. Now, did he perform well against the Devils? Not quite. Did he perform well against the Hurricanes? Yes. Do you need him to perform well against the Rangers? Yes, because at the end of the day, how do you get through the playoffs but beating Metropolitan Division teams, and you have to have it be Tristan Jari? Like, you cannot, at the end of this season, say, well, Tristan Jari is going to have to be the backup in the playoffs because he never played against the Metropolitan Division, and when he did, he didn't play well. So you have to get him starts. You have to get him to perform against the Rangers and I understand the Penguins aren't in a position at nine and eight right now to just put people out there because they need them to perform against them but I do think that Jari has played well 
over the the last stretch of games, I do think he's had his his duds at certain extents. You know, he didn't play well against New Jersey. I, I thought he he struggled a little bit in a couple other games over the past couple of weeks, but the the grand majority of his games have been f- pretty solid performances. So I think you put him out there against the Rangers simply because you know if you don't, then you definitely have to start Nedeljkovic in one of those two back to backs. Are you really going to get in the habit of giving Nedeljkovic more starts over Tristan Jari? I I, I don't think that that's something that is a sustainable model for success. And I understand riding the hot hand, but I feel like you should probably still start Tristan Jari on, on Wednesday against the Rangers. And I do think that going forward, you get Nadelkovic more starts, but I think it's more important that Jari sees the net against these type of teams that you're going to have to see, you know, late in the season fighting for, for playoff positioning. And you're going to potentially see, you know, in the postseason if you're able to get back there. Yeah. And my theory of <clears throat> getting uh, Nadelkovic up to speed by giving him, that Ranger game. As I continue to look at the schedule above my computer here, <clears throat> uh, let's say you give Nadelkovic that game against the Rangers. Suddenly, Jari hasn't played in about a week. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> with not even that, he hasn't played in about a week, but also without a ton of practice time, even, you know, because there was the game on Sunday, obviously, and then they had a day off yesterday. Uh, today they practice. But then there's you know game on Tuesday and then Thanksgiving or game on Wednesday and then Thanksgiving on Thursday where I don't expect them to practice and even if they do it won't be anything much. So suddenly Jari hasn't seen a ton of ice. Um, so I think you know my uh, answer may have been flawed. I think it, in truth be told either way kind of works out here. You know you're gaining mm-hmm. momentum for either goalie whoever you put in on Wednesday. So both answers are correct. Uh, I think it is just good that we both took a side on it. Yeah, and here's the thing. It could go either way because at the yeah. end of the day, yeah, you might want to get Alex Nedeljkovic back into the swing of things. He did miss that much time. I do think, though, that seeing that he started two games over the past weekend, one might have been in the AHL, but he still got some game action there. He's going to get a practice here, and then he's going to play one of those games on Thursday or Friday. I, I think that either way, the Penguins right now have a duo that they can trust a little bit more than they have had in the past couple of seasons. Um, not to take too much away from Casey DeSmith. When he was on his game, he was great. Um, but I, I do think, and it's only been three games, so there's still a chance that Alex Ndelkovic turns back into the pumpkin that he was with the Detroit Red Wings. But so far, like I mentioned, nine periods of play with the Penguins. Eight of them have been very stellar. One of them was a, a little rough, and, and that was just in a decision-making type of way, and then one bad goal that he gave up other than that. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out moving forward, but this is finally going to be an opportunity to see what Kyle Dubas had in mind when he was putting together his goaltending tandem this offseason. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, the Penguins' injury report continues to surprise. We'll talk to you about why after the break. Welcome back to Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlansky, that's Nick Horwat, and the Penguins, they've had a rather interesting injury report over the past couple of weeks. Vinny Henestroza, he is injured, clearly, that one we actually did see, but you look back, you know, before that, Jeff Carter was dealing with a lower body injury, maybe not anymore. P.O. Joseph randomly ends up on the injury report after not playing since the game against the San Jose Sharks. He's on injured reserve. Now Chad Ruweedle has left the game on Saturday. I didn't see what happened to him, but he's injured with a lower body injury. We'll see later today 
when we get an update from Mike Sullivan as to what the extent of that injury is, what the update is on that injury, and if he'll be able to go tomorrow night against the New York Rangers. But the injury news has come at surprising times with surprising names this season, Horwat. It's a trend that is very strange, and it's been followed up with another trend, which is let's call up a minor leaguer for a couple of hours before sending him back. Jansen Harkins was even in Pittsburgh, or not in Pittsburgh, but with the team. I believe that was in Columbus when he was there. He was with the team, and he was sent back within two hours. Two hours, his recall was. Jonathan Gruden, four hours before that. What's going on with the injuries? Who's healthy? Who's actually injured? And who do you expect to actually be able to play on Wednesday against the New York Rangers? First of all, the the, the recalls of guys coming up and then immediately being sent back down has just been kind of funny. I mean, Jonathan Gruden got called up, um, and not only did he get called up, he got called up. Got in a scrum interview after a morning skate, you know, got that pu- got that video published and everything, and sent right back. Jansen Harkins got called up, got a second social post made for him, and then sent right back again. I, I don't. This is it's it's interesting, but it is just leading to, and it is kind of foreshadowing into just kind of how I don't want to say unaware, but just how unpredictable these injuries and statuses of certain players have has become uh i would say what's going on it's still very unknown that's jeff carter you know was dealing with something maybe he was also getting healthy scratch because mike sullivan at one point did say that he's doing okay but still mm-hmm. you know not getting into the lineup still not taking part in pre-game warm-ups yet pio joseph i guess was dealing with an injury since the san jose game but also taking part in warm-ups. Um, yeah. Then <clears throat> then there's the obvious one that just was in our face. We saw Vinny Henestrosa get hurt. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was we, a brutal collision with the boards. Yeah, we saw him get hurt. We saw him attempt to come back. Didn't work out. You know, We can classify that one as we'll see how it goes. Maybe it's just day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll come right back in. Um, and as for Chad Ruido, I didn't even notice that uh, he was injured and missing, to be honest. So... Yeah, we'll see where everything goes. It's a matter of now just seeing who, what guys skate where in the next couple of days. You know, there is that game on Wednesday, but they have that Thursday to maybe recuperate a little more. And mm-hmm. I, I don't really have too many words for it. It's just this is just it's been getting weird, right? It's been getting a little interesting. I think we all kind of wanted to, me and you, over text, I'm not going to throw anything else out into the world besides that, speculate over certain injuries for certain guys in certain situations. Um, yeah. But clearly, this is why that's why it's just speculation that we're not putting out there anymore. It's just, yeah, it's the way things have gone, and the Penguins need their players. They have faith in their players, no matter who they are, and we'll see how the, see how the ball rolls. We'll see who skates when. Yeah, at the end of the day, obviously, the Penguins are going to do what the Penguins can do about this. Vinny Henestrosa will get more news about him. P.O. Joseph will get more news about him. Chad Ruweedle will get more news about all of these guys a little bit later today after Penguins practice at, uh, I was about to say, Mellon Arena. Not quite, uh, not for the past at least 15 years, uh, but at PPG Paints Arena. But the question then becomes, you know, with tomorrow coming up fast, you know, if, if Joseph is not good to go, he's on injured reserve. If Ruweedle's injury is something that's going to keep him out, who comes up? Because, you know, John Ludwig on a conditioning stint at the AHL level, does he come up and get taken off of LTIR? And if that's the case, you know, who goes in? 
you know, does somebody else go on to LTIR with either Henestrosa, Joseph, or, or Ruedel to make space for him, or does somebody get sent down? A quick reminder, Vinny Henestrosa at the end of this week will have uh, waiver eligibility back reinstated once again uh, because of the 30 days at the NHL level. Um, so it's an interesting 24 hours here when it comes to the Penguins injury news and, and how they're going to construct their roster out of it because it's not a small game tomorrow night. You know, the, the, the first game against the Rangers this season – on a year where the Penguins, you know, Kyle Dubas mentioned how important it is to play well against your own division. Pens are 2-2 two and two against their division. They've lost their two games uh, against two of the better teams in the division. They've won their two. I get Washington's been pretty good, but Washington wasn't expected to be very good. Columbus hasn't been very good. And those are the two teams that the Penguins have beaten, not to mention that the Washington game was the first game of the season for them. So it's been a while for that as well. So you need to perform well against your own division with all these injuries, you know, circulating around the Penguins, especially the bottom of their lineup, which is a, a part of the lineup that they need to, you know, get some time together and actually uh, come together and perform well. It's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with the whole, you know, cap issues and who ends up going out there to be the sixth defenseman uh, tomorrow night. It'll be interesting. I think there's about a bazillion different ways it can go. It's, I don't know. It's hard to predict, even. <clears throat> I know yeah. we all just kind of want to throw out who we think is going to be in the lineup and what lines are going to look like. We just can't at the moment, really. Mm -hmm. We don't know just because it's the little things. And thankfully, these aren't injuries to the big guns like Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson, who, by the way, another thing, another person we have not talked about enough recently. This, his streak has been hilariously fun to watch. But they're all doing okay. So... It is, it is the depth options, the guys that w where this discussion turns into, okay, who are we calling up to fill in in certain areas? Not how do we completely readjust the roster? So, yeah. and again, thankfully, nothing seems super major anymore. Uh, the John Ludwig thing seemed for a moment, but now he's played a couple of games in the A. He's uh, coming back to health. I think because it's a conditioning stint, he I don't know how, I don't know how it all works, but I feel like because it's a conditioning stint, he was sent to the AHL clear of waivers so we'll, yeah he has 14 days yeah so he has to i guess eventually be put back on the nhl roster and then if they want to yeah. send him back down there there's gymnastics that needs to happen all over the place um yeah uh john technically john ludwig is still on the nhl salary cap as the ltir player the the, the conditioning sin doesn't change anything with that you know at the end of the day it is he has 14 days after 14 days he'll just be sitting on ltir not able to play ahl games yeah pretty much um but i would assume if he's i mean he's playing so clearly concussion yeah. protocol is cleared he is good to go uh, just a matter of mm -hmm. getting him into nhl action again if they believe he's the right guy for the job. Also, mm -hmm. this is the first time he's played in the NHL with with the with Wilkesbury. So there's that or AHL with Wilkesbury. So there is yeah. that. There is that learning curve because I think the thought process is he'll probably eventually end up there, right? Yeah. Assuming he doesn't get claimed off of waivers again, mm -hmm. whenever that may have to happen. Um, given the depth of defense on this team, I, that's just my assumption where he'll eventually land. So it's good that he's building that chemistry there too. There's all kind of. Good things flowing with that. Uh, it, but again, it's just hard to nail down who will be in and where. The Penguins' third pairing is a circus. That's that's basically what we've, we've, we've came down to. You know, the Penguins' third pairing is a circus because, you know, when he was injured, he was only injured after one game. Like, how much do the Penguins want to see of him at the NHL level? Now, the simple response could be, you know, if Henestros' injury is going to keep him out for an extended period of time, you can either, one, put him on injured reserve, or two, send him down because he's he's 
free of waivers right now and call and then John call John Ludwig up and then try to figure it out after that. Um, you are stuck with Jeff Carter in the lineup at that point, which doesn't seem to be, you know, the greatest opportunity and the greatest thing the Penguins want to be running with. But at the same time, that gets you six defensemen, which is more important than making sure Jeff Carter's out of the lineup. So yeah, it, it's going to be, it's certainly going to be intriguing uh, to see how Kyle Dubas and Mike Sullivan maneuver their way into getting a full roster onto the ice tomorrow night. And hopefully, you know, Chad Ruedel is fine. Hopefully that just kind of dispels any issues, and hopefully Vinny Hindestros is fine as well. Um, and then the only question would be, you know, when does John Ludwig get recalled and taken off of LTIR, and what happens when that, that eventually happens? But there's no rush for that because, like we mentioned, he still has, what, a week and a half where he can play at the AHL level without having to be um, having to be sent back to Pittsburgh and placed as the L- LTIR player that he currently is. But that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, a little jumbled in this episode because there was some big news if you're a Pittsburgh <laughs> Steelers fan in the middle of it, which means we had to break down, stop the podcast, and uh, keep it going. But at the end of the day, congratulations to Steelers fans. You don't have to watch a Matt Canada offense. I'm not sure how much that's going to change this season, but at the very least, you don't uh, you don't have to worry about listening to Matt Canada on Thursdays, and you don't have to worry about seeing him on the sideline on Sundays. But, you know, congratulations to them, and we'll see what the Pittsburgh Penguins do. Maybe uh, Todd Reardon's next out the door uh, from Pittsburgh, <laughs> oh, because he, he's certainly getting a lot of he's certainly getting a lot of heat for that power play. Oh, so uh, he's probably brutal. now the most hated he's now the most hated assistant coach in Pittsburgh after the Canada news today. It's get, everyone get ready for uh, Mike Sullivan double duty. I, I think that's going to be the funniest rolling in pittsburgh at least in my mind no one else will find it funny um no good old i'd yeah the good old mike sullivan qb coach is to me the one calling the plays in pit for the steelers uh mm-hmm. whereas mike sullivan obviously still head coach of the pittsburgh penguins we'll see what happens with the steelers um <laughs> yeah hasn't been That's, good uh... It has not. So it can't get much worse than it was on Sunday, though. So, But uh, there's your Steelers talk for, for all the Steelers fans that are also Penguins fans that listen to the show. But that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next time. Oh, by the way, no full episode on Thursday. Just wanted to throw that out there. There's going to be a game recap of the Rangers game, but there's no full episode on Thursday because it's Thanksgiving. Happy so Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday for all the Americans uh, that listen to the show. If you're Canadian, listen to the show. Happy Thursday. So uh, <laughs> that's it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.